Welcome back to Film Posers for Boricuas ranting, raving, and reviewing cinema. Today, we'll be covering what we watched so far in the month of October, and our moderator will be me, Josie. We have so many things to discuss that we watched recently, so let's get to it. So, let's start off with the Disney live-action Mulan. And the person that will be leading this conversation is Juan. Hello. And now we're going to talk about Mulan. So, amongst the film posers, there are a lot of mixed emotions, to say the least. You know, there have been some moments where maybe one person has been hostile in our group chat about it. You know, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. This is all alleged. <clears throat> But yeah, we're going to talk about Mulan, the premiere access film on Disney+. Plus. Now, this release strategy was a choice because I feel Mulan was not the right choice to start that premiere access strategy with. If you don't know, premiere access strategy is when it comes to Disney+, Plus. yes, everything is free, except in this case, Mulan, which is available to unlock on your subscription early for $30 plus taxes. And you got to see it three yeah. months early. It was going to probably be on Disney Plus December 4th. More or less that time. So, there are a lot of factors that affect this film. Price point. Some controversies behind the scenes. And the making of it even came into the consideration. So we're going to break that down real quick. Contrary to popular belief, Mulan is actually not based on the animated movie. In this case, it is based off the Ballad of Mulan, the original tale, not the animated movie. That's definitely something you need to know going in. If you compare it to the animated movie, you're obviously going to be disappointed because they're two completely different films. So, my thoughts were, I think it had its moments. It has a great production and costume design. I thought Christina Aguilera's song, Loyal, Brave, and True, was great. But there are a lot of points where I'm like, this is a problem. For example, I think the pacing affected the movie. Because at one point I thought it was like, it's almost over. And I was watching it with my mom and she's like, there's 40 minutes left. And I'm like, what? What do you mean it's not done? Um... In the film, they also dub over Jet Li's voice, his character. You can tell that it's not his voice, and that is a major problem for me. Uh, I think without the controversies, the, the film maybe could have stood on its own, but one of the controversies includes uh, they filmed in a Chinese concentration camp for some of the scenes, if I have understood correctly. Mm -hmm. It's a big problem for me. I felt they the director was... Unfortunately, it's not that she did a bad job, but I felt this film would have been a lot better if we actually had Asian representation behind the camera and behind mm -hmm. the scenes to give it an authentic feel. Um, this just feels like the adult retelling of The Ballad of Mulan. It does try to connect, to feel more connected to the culture. Um, but then they have moments where they call a sorceress, they ca they're supposed to call her a sorceress, not a witch, but they always call her a witch. And that felt very whitewashed for me. They were talking about a movie made in China 
and yet no one there spoke Chinese when Bong Joon-ho said it, we can read subtitles. Mm-hmm. Another mistake. <laughs> Snaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cutting in real quickly, I think that we can summarize it by saying, or better yet, by asking, where's the flavor? <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> I am going to talk about the price point at the end, but I would like to get some of the other posers' opinions. So we just got some of Josie's. Josie's, is there anyone, anything else you want to mention before we move on to our next poser? The only other thing that I have written down is that for a character so recognizable and I like watching the film, I did like it at first, mostly because I got taken by the story. But of course, after you do your reading you understand why it is problematic, especially as a film standpoint, there are a lot of things that don't connect. I mean, the whole chi thing, what? As well as the pacing, it's just poor. And the fact that, not to compare it to the animated version, but Mulan is a recognizable character because of her personality, because she actually has a personality. Now, looking at the film as a film, Mulan is such a forgettable character, which is a sin as a protagonist. She has no personality. You can barely distinguish her from any other character. If you were reading this as just the script and not watching the movie, she would be hard to discern from anyone else that has a speaking role, which is very sad. So with that, we're going to move on to our next poser, Anna. One thing that I can describe from this film is that it lacked heart because in a perfect summary it could be described as the scene where she ha- does the process of getting out of mm-hmm. the house and escaping mm-hmm. from the house comparing it to the animated one it was a like a small journey that you get to see but in the live action one it was just <coughs> five seconds Almost, mm-hmm. yeah, cut to the mm-hmm. other scene. And we don't get to embrace that scene that everybody loved and it was a turning point to the character. And another thing that I criticize is how in the live action, Mulan is already an OP character. She already has powers. But in the animated one, we get to see her journey of being courageous being like discovering herself Mm -hmm. and in the live action one we just don't and that's why I don't like it as much (laughs) but the things that I did like was the production design was amazing and the costumes were really great now we're going to move on to the poser who's probably have the most to say about how she feels when it comes to Mulan. Gabriela, take the floor. So yes, hi, I'm the poster the poster that was hostile in the group chat over Mulan. <laughs> Thank you for admitting it to the audience. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Mulan is one of my favorite Disney movies. And so I I have this attachment towards Mulan. So when the live action came out and, you know, they said that it was going to be authentic to China's history and the actual history of Mulan, I was like, 
great because you know they always criticize the live actions for being copy paste so Mulan wanted to be different I was like great that sounds amazing yes do it but you know for a movie that was supposed to be authentic to Chinese culture and history it feels very white you can tell it was made by white people where's the flavor I kept saying that if this wasn't a Mulan live action the entire cast would have been white because it felt very western the addition of the witch felt very western and it lacked heart there was no emotion in it whatsoever I did not feel a connection to anyone I didn't know anyone's names other than Mulan because I knew she was Mulan I didn't know anyone's names like I I I and I knew Mulan and Sima and it's because I know that's his name because I've seen him in other stuff so I recognize him and Jet Li obviously that's it didn't rec- didn't know anyone else didn't know and it was very frustrating and it was you know disheartening to see that this is you know they had a chance to do something great for the culture and this is what they decided to do and it also really frustrated me because I love that in Mulan we see her learning this new thing you know learning how to fight learning how to survive learning to be a warrior when beforehand she didn't know anything and then here due to the chi it's as if she already had superpowers i didn't like that it just felt like you know oh yeah she was because it basically says that because the original mulan says that you can become good at what even if you you don't have to have to be born with a gift to become good at it. You can learn it later and be good at it. While this one is just like, oh, you need to be born with it in order to be amazing. And, you know, the CGI was horrible. The fight scenes were horrible. I literally don't have any. The only, the only good scene, and it was the only good part of the entire movie, and it lasted five seconds, and that was Ming-Na Wen's cameo. That was it. That was the one scene that was like, I love this. That was it. It was way too long. And it didn't need to be that long. I just... No. Again, there's no heart behind it. It feels very white. It's just... And obviously, all the controversies behind it. And again, the pricing, like... We'll get to that. It's not (laughs) worth it. It I just wanted to follow up on what Gabriela said about hearts. Because the film was robbed of heart. But the thing is that I remember when I first saw it, I cried a few times. But unfortunately, it's not because it's good. It's because it is a formulaic product that hits the emotional turns perfectly with like music and sacrifices, which are the usual things that Disney tends to add in its films to get that emotional reaction from you. But you feel cheated because it's not done with any setup that it's that is earned to get that emotional reaction from you but you still might get that emotional reaction there are a lot of people on even on my facebook that were like oh my god mulan i loved it and i'm like yeah do you really love it or were you just cheated the way i was yeah that i see a lot of people be like oh my god i love a lot of my friends and i'm like but why I mean, there's the emotional attachment to the original film. And there are some... I have some... emotional attachment to the original one. I'm trying. One. 
So here's the thing. Um, there are some moments that are very beautiful, but they don't feel earned. And that's where I get mad because I do feel the emotions that I'm supposed to feel at that moment as a viewer. But then I get angry because they don't deserve that reaction from me because they did not work for it. It's just, it's again, it's formulaic. I feel that some people really got with the message of female empowerment because it did have, but because we as critics and mm -hmm. film lovers we know what's behind that we know the formula of it mm -hmm. it just didn't work for us but i feel with the general audience it did yeah so to conclude our thoughts on mulan i'm going to talk about the price point and the overall consensus for this movie and whether you should watch it or skip it so the price point as i mentioned this is a premier access film this is the first one for disney plus and We can all agree it was the worst choice for Premiere Access. It is a flop. It is not doing well economically. There's proof. But this this strategy could have worked with a movie like, say, Black Widow, even though I feel that film should be appreciated in theaters. But to give you a scope of what film is worth $30, Black Widow to me is. Mulan, unfortunately, is not. Mulan is at $30 right now on price point as Disney+. Plus. You can pay that on iTunes, Amazon Video, etc. Do we feel, and do I feel, it's worth $30? No. It's not. It's very hard to justify the price. It has its problems. And while it's not one of the worst Disney live-action properties, no one can argue on that because it is not the worst. There are worse. In that sense, I felt if they would have done $15, Instead of 30, the risk would have been a little bit better for certain audiences, especially now during this pandemic, when it comes to economically. Not everyone can spend $30 on a film, even if it's for a family. You have to make sure it's a really good film. For example, the reason Trolls World Tour was so successful is that $20 price point. It was rental. It worked for families. It entertained kids. It worked, and it made a lot of money. Mulan, mm -hmm. I felt the price point was too high. Here's the thing. To me, I wouldn't pay $30 to watch a movie in my computer or in my television in the living room. Even if it's John Wick, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm sorry. If they really, if they were to release Black Widow for $30, I wouldn't pay $30. I, I don't care. I, I, you know. Well, that's I love you. Rachel there Weiss. are people I out there David who would. Barber, but I'm not paying $30. For Black Widow. Well, that's you, but there are people out there who would. I know, but here's the thing. I felt like the decision to pay $30 <coughs> for a movie when to watch it in a streaming service that you already paid for was the bad move. For that movie, Because I agree. It, in general, I, it's a bad move because how can you expect people that already pay for your streaming service to pay extra money because Disney Plus is what $8 regular and then it's like $15 if you if you have Hulu and ESPN. So, you know, you have let's say you have the $15 version of it and you have $30 plus tax and everything. That comes around to like $45 to $50 extra in a month. And again, we are in very hard times and many people $50 that's food that's groceries maybe that's paying a bill you know it was just a horrible move 
And I, even if they did it with any movie, even if it was Black Widow, maybe they could have earned a little bit more. But it is still a bad move for you for Disney to expect for people that already pay for Disney Plus to pay extra money on top of it. It was a terrible move. They should have seen it coming. Like, I'm not surprised it flopped. I mean, I just don't think we're the demographic <laughs> they're shooting for. They're shooting probably for, like, rich, middle, like, upper middle class families that have, like, probably, like, three kids, three to four kids, and just want to keep them busy. That's so more or less the demographic that I think they're yeah. aiming for, too. But, we have, but also, this film had a heavy budget. $200 million, double that to break even, add the $150 million more or less, or $100 million, depending on how much they spent for the advertising, that's $500 million at least to be out of the red. You're not going to sacrifice that much money. I don't care if Disney owns a trillion dollars. They are not going to sacrifice that much money. I feel like in the times that we're living, you either had to you know, accept the loss or postpone the film. I agree with that. I don't think they could have handled another postponement, in my opinion. So they felt that's what the quickest decision to make a buck out of it was. I don't they agree with it. Put it. If they should have just put it regularly on Disney Plus and lose yeah. five hundred million dollars that for Disney. yes, or, or, yes, are you make because a film you know that what, that much? you know, you know what would have happened if people saw that it was on Disney Plus. <laughs> maybe people that don't have Disney Plus would have gotten Disney Plus like they did with Hamilton. Or canceled it after Disney one Plus month. subscriptions went up when Hamilton premiered. And more Disney Plus subscription, maybe more people stay with it. That's more money. Plus every click that the movie gets makes them money. It's not as much like as you know they would have made it regular box office, but it's but it is something. Yeah, unfortunately, Hamilton did not make what they were expecting, which is why I think they went Thank with you. that decision with Mulan. But they did make a lot. Like Disney Plus subscriptions went up. Not for yeah. what they paid for it, but that's a topic yeah. for another episode. So I want to come go back to Josie's point. Um, we gotta remember that in the states, going to the theater is like more expensive. Thank you. Yeah. So being thirty bucks to most of the families there, it's actually economical. Yeah. Like, the reason yeah. we probably don't agree with it is because, basically, we're not the demographic they're shooting for. No, we're not. So, yeah. going back to the point, $30 is too high. $30, essentially, I could have gotten this at Best Buy on a physical copy of Steelbooks of their exclusive in 4K. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. how much it could have cost to own it physically. Mm -hmm. To add to Gabriela's point, to own it digitally for three months, even though later it was going to be on Disney Plus for free anyways, is a very hard sell. But again, like Josie said, we're not the target audience. That's more for the people in the States. Is it the best decision? No. That they did Premier Access? No. Are they going to do it again? Probably not. Because they moved I mean, Soul. Soul. Yeah. Well, that's not Premier Access. That's free. They exactly. sacrificed Soul. They didn't start, They didn't do that with Mulan. Mulan which, was that yeah, which that honestly says enough. That yeah, says exactly. more than what we can say. If they move Soul for anyone that has a Disney Plus subscription, that says enough. That says how much it made. Which comes to our overall consensus that while the live-action Mulan certainly has its problems, and it's not the worst Disney live-action property. It's very hard. 
Gabriela Burgos. Gabriela. Tú me vas a decir que Mulan es peor que The Lion King. Bofunery. Bofunery, Gabriela. At least I laughed in Lion King. Okay, you're going to justify to me that Mulan was worse than Alice Through the Looking Glass? I never saw Alice Through the Looking Glass. My really point. Can't. So moving on. <laughs> and that has Anne Hathaway, so imagine how hard that is for me to say. Point is, not one of the worst Disney live action properties. Hard to justify the price. Our recommendation is it will soon be on Disney Plus for free. If you do not have Disney Plus, that is when you subscribe to Disney Plus and you watch it then. Even if you cancel it after a month, which could very well happen. And you try it out then for free. If you like it, great. If not, you paid $7 for the membership. And who knows, maybe we'll find some more stuff there to binge and we'll keep it. It all depends. But it's very hard to justify that price. And overall, Mulan is a wait for a much cheaper price. Yeah. Or, you know, just watch the original and the sequel. Those are better than the live action. Gabriela, I said at the beginning, this is about the ballad, not the animation. I'm just saying that if you want to watch a Mulan movie, just skip the live action one and watch the animated one because it's much better. And, you know, the music slaps, unlike this one. So oh, that, moving... that, ends, that ends Mulan. <laughs> Josie. Yeah, so moving on, our next film that we will be covering is Hubie Halloween, and Anna will be leading this conversation. All four of the posers watch this film as well. So, when the Sandman said that I'll <laughs> grab you six movies <laughs> because you didn't nominate me for Uncut Gems, you know what? He did. <laughs> and, the, and the renaissance of the Sandman is here with the first film, Hubby Halloween. Honestly, I love it. <laughs> I think we're evenly divided, right? Two posters liked and two posters didn't. Yeah, I think this is the one time me and Gabriela are on yeah. the same page. Okay, yeah. The film, I, know, <laughs> Anna. I know that the film is stupid, but that's the point. It is funny. Exactly. It's funny. Um, the thermos. Every time they did the joke with the thermos, I the thermos. I want it. Okay. <laughs> Forget okay. about the universal remote. This is the cultural impact that we needed. I, I didn't. I didn't felt um very Halloweeny this months because of the pandemic but watching that movie mm-hmm. I was like you know what I want to celebrate Halloween okay and I love yeah. how they put a lot of 80s reference with Wes Craven and John yeah. Carpenter so- films I loved it and it's they also have a really great cast guys we weren't expecting that a star cast yeah. <laughs> And I don't know. My dad it looked said like they had he fun. must have texted the group chat and yeah. be like, "Hey, y'all need a quick check." You I'm know what? And this. yeah, sometimes you just need to sit down and watch a goofy movie. Not every day has to be serious. You're right. We should all sit down and watch a goofy movie. Watch a goofy movie. Oh, no. I agree. <laughs> no, I, I knew agree. it. I knew it. I knew it. No, Anna, you walked yes, into that one. one. <laughs> I See? was about to specify like. 
not to be confused with the Disney animated films. See, Josie, this is the dangerous combination of when me and Gabriela are on the same page because then our hate is double. Guys, it was it was alright, okay? It's not bad. At least it's not Jack and Jill, okay? That's part of my True. Opinion. I'll give you that one. Okay. Yeah, so for me, real quick, just hopping off of Anna because this was literally my review on it. If it gets you in the Halloween mood, I'd say mm-hmm. it's a job well done. I mean, it looked like they had fun. The twists and turns were entertaining. It's not the best film. I'm not even saying that I like it because it's good. It just made <laughs> me laugh because it's so stupid. I don't know. If it get, Again, if it gets you in the Halloween mood, I say exactly. it's Exactly. I liked it because I laughed. It was a good time. And honestly, I, I just wanted to chill and watch a like, not-so-good movie, but it's actually turned out, hey, it's actually a good <laughs> I know that Gabriela and Juan well, are opposed to it, so who's first? I'm going to start by saying I think that Hubie Halloween needs to make a deal with Bed Bath & Beyond because I could have imagined that thermos being at Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> it had a vacuum cleaner! Do you know how useful that could how be? How many stoops can contain, Okay. That, that continued. I, I don't know. So when the movie first came out, it had a higher letterbox overall review than the masterpiece known as Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Oh, and that didn't sit well with my spirit. So like Anna said, when we were told Adam Sandler was going to make one of the worst films ever after being snubbed for Uncut Gems, which this is the Academy's fault. This is the Academy's fault. They had it coming. They did. Mm-hmm. I was expecting something on the level of Jack and Jill 2. Which is already a terrible decision. Now, it's not his worst movie. But I didn't feel it was that great either. I can tell the cast is having fun with it. But, for example, the twist of Shaquille O'Neal's character, I felt, was a very dated joke. I felt mm-hmm. it's like, really? That, that's, the, that's the joke. It, it didn't land for me. Oh, yeah, it definitely had a lot of dated comedy from the beginning. I mean, as soon as you see him throw up at the beginning, you're like, no, this is not going to be a good movie. Oh, it took off the start right then and there. Um, Mm -hmm. I felt I only laughed like a handful of times. There are some good jokes. I liked the Wes Craven nod, obviously. (laughs) I like that reference. Um, I feel that Sandler is an underappreciated actor because he commits to every role, especially the dramatic roles. Like, he goes 100% or not at all, and I feel like we need to appreciate that of him because even if the film is terrible, you can never question that man's dedication, which I think comes into how much Anna loves him as an actor. Um, But for me, unfortunately, in this case, I feel like his charisma wasn't enough to save it for me. And I'm putting this as nicely as possible. Because he really does carry this movie a lot on his back. Some of the things worked, some didn't. I felt like one of the things is you have Ray Liotta hitting on China and McLean. And that was just, that was like, no, 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 no. Let me call the police real quick. Like, no, that's a, that's a no for me. I feel Jack and Jill, Zohan, Chuck and Larry are still his worst films. But this one's. I could see where it could have gone great. And I kind of like the twist ending. But I wasn't in love with it. It kind of put me in the Halloween spirit, kind of. I could see this on Freeform. 
not gonna lie. I, I could have seen this on Freeform. Yeah, it's like Anna said, it's a silly movie. It could work if you're like a group of friends. Definitely. You, know, you have your popcorn, you have your soda, or if you want to go a little more extreme, you have your alcohol to watch this movie on a Friday night over Zoom, a Netflix party. Then, yeah, I could see this as recommendable in that sense because don't expect too much from it and you won't be disappointed. Correct. My problem yeah. was I expected the worst film of all time because of the Academy and it underdelivered. I think that one of the things that I, I really appreciate is how they incorporated some of the ideas of like 80s horror because, um, spoiler, um, the mother was, uh, was the killer. And if we go back to Friday the 13th, uh, the original, it was actually yes. Miss Borghese. And yeah. Yeah. It was like a hit. Jace. I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I see what you did there. And, and it's but, also a Wes Craven hint because in Scream, that mm-hmm. is literally one of the killer's questions. Mm-hmm. Who was the original killer in Friday the 13th? And it's in the first film. That's why I was like, I love the reveal because it gave me that moment. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one they also did was a John Carpenter reference when they went to the drive through. There's actually a movie called Christine. That has to do with mm-hmm. her car. So I was like, okay, I, I also see what you did there. So I appreciated that. But jumping back, um, Gabriela, what are your thoughts on the film? You know, my dad made better <laughs> jokes while we watched this movie. Uh... Hey, your dad has taste. He loved Hustlers and he wanted Jay Little to win the Oscar. He has taste. Sometimes. <laughs> Your dad hears this, you're gonna be so grounded. Yeah, he's gonna hear this. He's gonna be like, seriously. Anyways, it just felt, you know, it was too long, honestly. I feel like it was too long. Yeah. Yeah. And while there were, you know, sometimes I was having fun, but then other times uh, it just, it, it was so dragged out. And yeah, you know, the dated humor. Or, you know, the jokes that he always makes in his movies. Like, I feel like if you've seen any other Adam Sandler movie before Uncut Gems, you've seen Doobie Halloween. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, honestly, honestly, I feel like I'm going to get hit for this, but I liked Murder Mystery better than Doobie Halloween. Okay, first of all, I actually liked Murder Mystery. Thank no. you. No. Yes. I enjoyed it. I was actually more invested in Murder Mystery than Hubie Halloween. I mean, I liked Mr. Murder Mystery before I even saw Hubie Halloween, so for me, it's not even a fair comparison. Yeah, yeah when I saw Murder Mystery, I was like, I, I am very surprised that I didn't hate this movie. Like, it was actually pretty entertaining. And then I saw Hubie Halloween, hoping that, hey, maybe it's going to be like Murder Mystery. But it wasn't. But going back to Anna, um, Anna, what do you think is the overall consensus and overall recommendation for the from the posers for UB Halloween? Man, if you want to be like in the Halloween mood, just watch it. It's not a good movie, but it's it's if you want to have fun, just watch it. If you want to have a couple laughs, also watch it. Yeah, and most you're not gonna be laughing with the movie. You're gonna be laughing at the movie, but still. You're laughing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though he was robbed for an Oscar-winning role in Uncut Gems. Man, get yes. me started. Also, Academy. <laughs> Academy, please nominate him. We can't take this anymore. 
nominate him. If he comes out with Jack and Jill too, I just feel we should protest the Academy. Oh gosh. <laughs> so on that note, <laughs> let's move on to another Netflix original. So we're going to be talking about The Haunting of Bly Manor. And leading this conversation will be Gabriela. Yay. <laughs> um, so, like many people, back in 2018, The Haunting of Hill House was released. And like many people, I was scared and was left crying at the end of it. And I was very excited when Mike Flanagan announced that he would be making a second part, an anthology series to Hill House called The Haunting of Bly Manor. It was one of my most anticipated releases of Netflix this year. I was so excited for it because, again, Hill House is amazing. And, you know, obviously, since Hill House set the bar so high, I basically had the same expectations for Bly Manor. I saw the trailer, I saw that there were dolls involved, and I was like, that terrifies me, I'm in. Come on, scare me again like you did in Hill House. And while it was good, I did like it. But it sadly did not live up to Hill House for me. Hill House remains superior. And while I do like that Flanagan has a lot of emotions, you know, it doesn't rely on the horror because at the center of it all, you know, Hill House was a story about family trauma. And it wasn't just horror. It dealt with that and how the entire storyline was them getting over that trauma that they had. And it's the same with Bly Manor. I'm not going to spoil you, but if you've seen it, then you know. It, you know, it ended up being the same thing with Bly Manor. And I liked that overall message of Bly Manor. And I did like some of the aspects, but it felt flat in terms of the mystery of the manor overall it felt flat there and same as some characters they felt flat too and while it had like the creepy vibe it wasn't as scary as hill house anna and i watched it together and anna would spend the entire time being like scare me scare me and then first of all anna is immune to you know being scared i'm the coward (laughs) so i get scared easily so there was a moment where i got scared but anna was like yeah that's doing nothing for me (laughs) i feel that when watching the first episode of blind manor i had high expectations of it because the first season gave Mm -hmm. me that it gave me like, hey, this is gonna be amazing, but it ended up being a little bit disappointed in a sense because my expectations were met. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a good story, but it doesn't have the mm-hmm. same creepiness or the jump scares, the awarded jump scares that it had from the yeah. first season. Yeah. Sometimes um, my Flanagan could be a miss, and I feel that the second season certainly was a miss. But I appreciated um, the story overall, the concept of being uh, tragic mm-hmm. love stories between each character. And I could say mm-hmm. that my favorite episode was certainly episode eight of the season. 
yeah the origin story yeah. of you know but if, the ghosts yeah it was why. it was a very was interesting episode, episode and it certainly gave me a feel of the first season but if you had me to choose between the first and the second one, I definitely will choose the first one because it gave me reactions. And as Gabriela said, I'm a little bit immune with being scared or the jump scares. And <laughs> a little bit? You are immune. I just laughed. Did you laugh off the well, Hill House jump scare? At first, I screamed <laughs> and then I just laughed it off. And that's what I was saying, because in the first season, it literally gave me that feeling I was very tense throughout the episodes, but this one, it just didn't caught my attention. Uh, like, you could see me, like, being in the phone, scrolling on Twitter, or on Instagram, yeah, and that means that it's not getting my attention. For me, the biggest problem was that, you know, in Hill House, you had one episode dedicated yeah. to each of the characters, and then we were done with the backstories and how they got to where they are. Then we had this episode where they all met for the first time since the events of Hill House. And I think that's one of the best parts of it because we see, we know all of these people carry different weights. And then they meet in this episode, which is episode six, which yeah. is the one take episode. And, you know, in Bly Manor, I was expecting kind of the same thing. I wanted to see how they would all connect the same way that they did, yeah. like, like in Hill House. And that's, you know, I wasn't invested in a few of the characters of Bly while in Hill House. I was invested in every single one of them. And I think that's was the biggest problem for me. But it, I did cry in Bly Manor. The same way I cried in Hill yeah. House, I did cry It certainly in Bly had Manor. a bittersweet ending that, okay, mm-hmm. It, it did have a good, a good ending, ending, but overall, the story just didn't caught my attention. It, I feel that it needed to be more developed. Yeah. Or maybe it's because I had high expectations. I don't know. Okay, moving on to our next topic of conversation. The film that has caused a lot of problems in box office and theaters worldwide, I would say. We're going to talk about so, Tenet. I think we can Nolan all agree that and Tenet was Anna one will of lead our, this conversation. Like, top movies that we're gonna watch in this year i feel but it was it was (laughs) sorry not for me you're not a film bro yeah mine was halloween kills i'm still suffering thank you (laughs) i think we all know the story of tenet that it got set back so many times and nolan Mm -hmm. was really was like you know what please just release it on like on theaters I just want my money <laughs> but it did got released on Puerto Rico and I got the chance to see it in a drive through which is something that I feel that he wouldn't wanted it to be seen on drive through because it would have been a total different experience so when I first saw it I generally was really confused throughout the whole film I feel that it's Nolan's most ambitious project yet. Okay. Basically, Tenet, uh-huh. you don't know what it's about yeah. until you see it. So, if you've seen Tenet, then you know what it is about. If you haven't, yeah. then it's an action movie that has time travel. Yeah. Go, okay, that going back. It. So, Tenet... 
Fuck. Okay. <laughs> Tenet is. <laughs> okay, Tenet is most is the most ambitious project of Nolan. <laughs> he really tried to do something with this complex story. So, normal movie goers will be like, "Oh, it's just an action film," but us that are fans of his films, it's another thing. While we can appreciate it, I feel that some of us wouldn't understand it fully to be able to appreciate a super film like this. Um, it certainly did have great cinematography. The action sequence were really amazing, especially that one scene, which obviously I'm not going to spoil, but if you guys know that one scene, that one action scene, it was chef's kiss. So... So I saw it at a drive at a drive-in as well. The Arecibo Santana the Santana Auto Cine in Arecibo. Shout out. It's great. If you're in Puerto Rico, go to this drive-in. It's amazing. And so yes, I loved my experience at the drive-in because my thing was that I refused to watch this movie on my laptop. I refused. I needed to watch it on the big screen. And yeah, I'm, I'm, that's the film ruined me. I'm sorry. Um, but you know, some movies are just meant to be seen in the big screen. And I felt like Tenet was one of those. So we, we were in the front row in the driving. And, you know, the sound on the car was all the way up. And honestly, it was a religious experience for me. And while it's not my favorite Nolan film, I did like it because, you know, it is obviously it's very complicated and he overcomplicates things because, you know, he's like that. But and even though I was lost for like the first 40 minutes of that movie, eventually I kind of got what it was about. Because, again, I've seen Doctor Who (laughs) and Doctor Who prepared me for this moment. (laughs) So I just kept saying, oh, this is kind of like how this works in this Doctor Who episode. Oh my god, I think I'm getting this. So, yeah, it's not my favorite Nolan movie, but I did like it. I loved the cast. You know, Robert Pattinson was great. John David Washington was great. Elizabeth Debicki was great. I And obviously, it's the directing, the cinematography, everything was great. It's just the story that's the problem. You know, it's yes. overcomplicated. Think about it. Um, we that watch, mm-hmm. thinking like what the story is about. We don't even know. Or we have an idea mm-hmm. of what the story is about. And if you ask like another person, they're also going to be like, oh, it's just a, a spy movie. But we can't fully comprehend <laughs> what it is. Obviously, and if you're just a casual Nolan, um, it's going to be complicated. So, you know, keep that in mind if you're going to watch this movie. It's not what you expect it to be. Keep that in mind if you're going to watch it. Juan. So I had a question for both of you, and that's, um, like Anna brought up, this is now a division when it comes to theaters mm-hmm. or drive-in or they wait. So my question was actually... What format would you recommend casual moviegoers or diehard Nolan fans to go if you would recommend them going to, for example, if they're here, the drive-in of Arecibo, 
do you think it's worth the risk of going to see it in a theater right now? Or do you think they could wait until it comes out on um, streaming, PVOD, or Blu-ray purchase? So I feel to have the full Nolan experience, you have to see it on a theater. But I decided to watch mm-hmm. it on a drive through because I wanted to follow the social distance requirements and be more safe or feel more safe. I do hope that after all this is like the pandemic is over, they will reconsider putting Tenet again on the big screen so we can watch it and have the full experience. And on that note, we'll be moving on to our next film, which was released on HBO Max. Ana Sofia and I will be talking about it and I'll be leading the conversation. Ana Sofia watched it on HBO Max when it premiered. I saw it at Latino Media Fest and it was a fun experience because we got to listen to Emmanuel Soto and we got to listen to him speak at Latino Media Fest, which was very interesting because he's actually like you can tell he's very proud of where he comes from. And most of what he was talking about is that on his journey to filmmaking, he started in Puerto Rico, but he had to leave because by the time that he was studying, there weren't programs for film the way there are now. I really like the vibe of the film. I like the acting. McMill really surprised me because if you don't, guys don't know, he's a rapper. So I wasn't expecting that side of him. But the thing is, the story, I feel that the story needed to be a little bit more developed. And at the end, it felt a little bit clustered to me. Also, I mm-hmm. the characters were really, how should I say? They affected mm-hmm. me in a little bit that I was a little bit annoyed by their choices. Because each character did a choice that it literally was like just going like a mm-hmm. rabbit hole, just going down and down. Until the end that we see the consequences of them. But I feel that some people might connect with it, others don't, which is understandable. It mm-hmm. Also, I did feel it had that Barry Jenkins influence, which... Yeah, he was part of the story. A little bit more structured. Yeah, definitely. Um, I liked it. It had its moments. I definitely agree. It needed better pacing. It was you could feel how long it was, and the third act made up for it for me. Especially, it had great acting and visuals all around. And I hope it gets at least some recognition because I was very happy with. Soto's performance in terms of directing because I do think that despite the pacing issues it works and it he did speak on wanting to have a happy ending compared to his other film La Granja which goes in a darker tone so I did like the ending in that again the third act makes up for it for me and the reason I think I really liked it so much was because of that scene where they diverge, the two yeah, kids. It definitely it's was like, twins, it's like their lives, they, they take different choices. Like the hug lasted like, but yeah. For me, it lasted like a minute, man. <laughs> but you could feel love that they have between each other, even though they chose different paths. Yeah, which definitely brings me to the fact that I think that if you genuinely want to watch this movie, 
and it's the kind of films that you do like these kinds of stories that deal with the dark sides of like losing innocence too early especially that, the scenes with uh his mom if you want to see the story i would recommend watching it more than once because it has so much to take in and one one viewing of this film is not enough you really need to take your time take it in and appreciate it and the next film we'll be talking about is on the rocks which three of the posers saw three-fourths of the posers saw okay and the person leading so, this conversation will on be the rocks Gabriela. is the newest film by sofia coppola and for those of you who don't know i am a huge sofia coppola fan i love her work my favorite of hers is the beguiled highly recommend So I was excited for this film, not gonna lie. I was really excited to hear that she was going to be, you know, directing again and, you know, with A24. I was excited. Bill Murray, Rashida Jones, like, yes. Yes, Sophia. Yes. I was so excited. But it is with a heavy heart that I announce that this film was not for me. You know, you know, the posers know when we finished watching it, I was so sad. <laughs> I was so sad. I, you know, I think it, this was the 2020 moment that finally did me in. <laughs> I felt like this was it. Like, this, this was it. So, you know, the premise of the story is basically Rashida Jones suspects that her husband is cheating on her. So she enlists her dad to try to figure out if it's true or not. And, you know, those scenes between Rashida Jones and Bill Murray were great. You know, the dialogue between them was great. I feel like every single, you know, it's kind of slow, but I was into it. I really like the dialogue because I really like how she writes her screenplays. So I was really into it. But then at the ending, it all just falls apart in a way that is just... It just falls apart in such a disgraceful manner. It was just, and it was very, I was so sad. I'm still sad when I remember that I watched this movie and I didn't like it because I was pretty sure I was going to like it because she has never let me down before. (laughs) You know, the directing, you know, it's not her best directing, but it's still really beautiful. And the portrait that she paints of New York City. And... Yeah, it was just, it was so disappointing. And yeah, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Who wants to talk about it now? So, Anna, you go. The thing is, I really like the dynamic that Sofia Coppola and Bill Murray has. So I really like when Sofia Coppola and Bill Murray come together and they do a film. So I was really excited to watch this film. How should I explain it? Okay. Uh... The story, I feel that it needed to be more developed because by the end of it, it felt Mm. flat, flat, (laughs) like a pancake. (laughs) It was so bad. It was so bad. It was so bad. Sophia, Sophia. Do it. Sophia Coppola. I love you, okay? You've never done me wrong. This is by me, no disrespect, because I love everything else you've ever done, but not, like, 
I'm sorry. Just, okay, the thing sorry. is that the story it starts with something, and it ends with a completely different thing and unexpected. And you see the characters like throughout the story they're developing. You know, you know, like the the gimmicka that they have between those two, and like, okay, what is gonna happen with between the father and daughter? But we don't see that at the end. It's just all throughout, like through the window. And I hate it. Thank you. <laughs> I I didn't like it. I didn't like the metaphor of the watch in the end of the story. That really pissed me that off. That pissed me but off. The only thing that I could say that I really liked about this film was oh. Bill Murray. Bill Murray really like piggybacked the whole film. His best. He was a chiropractor, okay? <laughs> He needs emergency oh surgery having to carry this movie on his I, back. I really wish that Sophia could have taken the time to develop this film. I don't I and I and I just I don't understand how this happened. I don't understand. I am so flabbergasted at how epically <laughs> it fell apart at the end. I just can't even comprehend how this how it happened. If if this is your first if this is your first Sofia Coppola movie, like go watch her her previous filmography, okay? This is I promise you she's amazing. First of all, I would like to clarify that if Sofia Coppola is listening to this episode, Gabriela actually not liking this movie could literally cause her to literally melt down. This is affecting her greatly. Please respect Gabriela's privacy at this time. So, I would like to start by saying that this Parks and Recreation spinoff went really left. So, this movie really, truly had me on the rocks. Um, I could go on, but we're on a time budget here. A time limit. So, I feel to keep this as nicely as I can. Again, Bill Murray yes. steals the show with a very entertaining performance. The pacing is a real bummer with how it carries the story. I felt so empty after watching it and not connecting with any other of the characters. I tried so hard not to fall asleep during the movie, but when a movie puts me to sleep at a certain point, even if it's like a minute or five, there's a big problem for me. And Gabriela and Anna know that I passed out at the point. That was so I know, funny. and I didn't know. <laughs> it was still in the thing. same scene. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, we didn't even pause the movie. We were just like, what? What? I was out, y'all. Murray's charisma really does try to carry the movie. The only scene I can say I genuinely enjoyed was Bill Murray and Rashida Jones in the stakeout car chase scene. That was amazing. I thought that was probably the highlight of the movie in terms of the scenes. Because that was just so well done. I was like, I wanted more of that. I felt if we would have focused less on the relationship and more on the father-daughter we could have had such a better movie it tried to do too much and i felt it didn't know what it wanted to be at the end unfortunately um as for jenny slate's character i've met the kind of girl she's playing and i've been annoyed by the kind of girl she's playing at first i felt it was fresh and funny but towards the end you know, I was as annoyed with her as I was as, uh, with her character as I was the person in real life. So, you know, after a point, that's how the film feels. That you start off like, oh, this could actually be really good because it does have a pretty good start. 
but then somehow along the way it just loses you and it just it's unfortunate on the rocks is unfortunately not great without comedy icon bill murray's show stealing performance this paper thin comedy falls apart and becomes forgettable Yikes. on that note <laughs> moving on to the next film we watch wow we watched a lot of films uh rebecca the 2020 release with oh, Lily James and Army Hammer. And Juan will be leading this conversation. Okay, so now Rebecca back to regular was also programming with Rebecca. Of the film posers because in this case, only one of us liked it. And that's me. <laughs> well, that's still not as great as Mulan, but still. One and a half. So Rebecca, um, a lot of people are saying it's based mainly <laughs> off the Alfred Hitchcock classic from the 1940s. Which, fun fact, that version is on YouTube right now, so you can check that out for free. But this film borrows heavily from the novel it's originally based off of. So for those who don't know what Rebecca's about, um, short summary. After a whirlwind mm-hmm. romance with a wealthy widower, a naive bride moves to his family estate but can't escape the haunting shadow of his late wife. So, uh, the minute Army Hammer entered the room, I said, Alexa, play I Knew You Were Troubled by Data Shift. <laughs> you knew that the telenovela was about to start. Yeah, real quick, my problem with this movie is that there needs to be chemistry between them. And I felt no chemistry between Army Hammer and Lily James. Anything that you feel yes. is probably I just the full weight um, that Lily James part. had to I bear Army doing Hammer, this film. He's not a bad actor. He's a pretty good actor. But he was unfortunately miscast mm-hmm. in this role. Horribly missed. I was trying to be nice. So myself. You know, after, you know, this was just another disappointment in my life. I've, I've lost everything at this point. So carry on. So I felt I had a re- I came up with a replacement the minute I, after I saw one scene of Army Hammer. And I literally said to myself, you know, Henry Golden could have probably done this role, and I would have had a better time. That's my fa- I want to see Henry oh. Golden and Lily James as a couple in a movie. Oh, can I don't you care imagine? What I'm buying a ticket. Thank you. That would have been everything yeah. for me. I would have been like, I'm giving that this an automatic really five stars. I'm not even joking. Have problems with this. The capacity we were so robbed again. So I feel Rebecca is a gorgeous film to look at that benefits from great performances <laughs> by the cast, especially again Lily James who, as we mentioned, has to carry a large portion of this on her back. <laughs> and even though this kind of felt for a moment like gothic Cinderella, like if Cinderella had a gothic take, this is what happened to her. Um, even with some minor pacing issues, the roman- this romantic thriller makes mm-hmm. for a pretty good weekend watch. I kind of feel this could also be a date night film, maybe. If the couple wants to see a thriller, and they're like, look, that's Cinderella. Look, he's from Man of Uncle. Maybe. Sounds good to me. Yeah, so it, it takes yes. the yeah, it takes the cake in costume design, production design, and, and cinematography. They, show, yeah. they shot that actually on location. Shout out to the cinematographer. And I was watching that and I was like, this movie is beautiful. I am loving this. What I did feel was a disappointment, and I'm I think I'm gonna be in the minority of this, is the creation of Manderley. Manderley. I felt it wasn't extra enough. For all of this hype they were putting on it. It was beautifully designed. It's a beautiful house. It's very Downton Abbey. But I wanted more. Like I needed Great Gatsby level of a house. Yeah, I was... Manderly, you know, 
they present Manderly as if you're getting, you know, Pemberley from Pride and Prejudice. Yes. No. So, posers, okay. what, since three of you gave it a solid two and a half stars out of five, <laughs> what are your thoughts, if any are left at all, for this movie? Because so, we covered a lot of the bases. I agree with Josie in the sense that it had great costume and production design. However, I feel that the movie has a lot of pacing issues. And by the end of the story, it felt really cluttered. So the category of this film is actually a thriller. However, it certainly lacked the feeling of being a thriller movie. I've heard a lot of some, I've heard some critics say that, you know, they don't want to compare to the Hitchcock version because they know it's based on the novel, but they inevitably can't help it because they felt the original Mm -hmm. Hitchcock was so up there. That it's kind of mm-hmm. like who would come up with the idea to say, we can do this better. And yet they felt that it lowered the bar. So they're saying, from what I've read, some people are saying, keep the Hitchcock version. I think on that note, we can move on to our final film, which is actually going to be a quick review. Because thanks to Netflix, we got a screener for Over the Moon, which will be on Netflix October 23rd, which as well as with On The Rocks. So the day you're listening to this, Over the Moon should be on Netflix, like, right now. So, real quick, you better watch it. So, I'm going to be leading this conversation. All four of the posers saw it. And before we get into reactions and reviews, I just want to say that this is definitely an Oscar contender. Glenn Keane was the director. And... You can tell that it's going to be a good film because, I mean, he's known for his work on Tangled, The Little Mermaid, Pocahontas, on Beauty and the Beast. I mean, Disney royalty, if there ever was one, right next to Howard, which his documentary is on Disney Plus right now. So let's get into the story. Who wants to go first? I feel like you should go first. Yeah. (laughs) So just the first thing I wanted to mention is that one of the best things that I loved about this film is the music. I think Over the Moon has one of the best I want songs in an animated musical film in so long. It felt like old Disney, like people, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, exactly the same films that Glenn Key worked on. It felt very genuine. And I think you can play that song on repeat. It was very reminiscent, at least for me, the kind of fervor I had when Let It Go became very popular. That's how it felt for me. Which is the Over the Moon song, when she's thinking about the rocket and everything. Um, Characters were very nice. Um, When I started watching it, I was crying immediately, and uh, just a warning, this is a tearjerker. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. When I went into it, I did not see the trailer. I only saw promotion, so I did not know what it was about, so that really helped because I was dazzled and amazed throughout the the entirety of the film. Uh, One thing will be that when I first started watching it, I I started feeling, is this... It it made me feel the same way that when I watched Spider-Verse. So I was thinking, is this going to be like almost the next Spider-Verse Oscar type kind of deal? Unfortunately, there were some scenes that I thought were too comical and too cheesy that brought down how my rating, which wasn't by much because I still gave it a good rating. But I do feel that some things were put there just for the 
comedic effect of it all. However, it's a very wholesome film, and I, I, I like it either way. It has a good message. It just warms your heart. And yeah, uh, Anna, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Um, it, I was actually expecting this movie when I first saw the trailer because I was like, this is such a beautiful animation. And you know what? It was. It's very colorful. It's very vibrant. I loved it. I think it's my favorite part of the whole film. It was the animation. It is a touching story about loss and moving on. And certainly it's a real tearjerker. I cried <laughs> at the end of the film. I really love the story. It's such a touching story. And I feel that a lot of people were actually relate to it. The music it I like the music because it was such like a poppy feeling and it resonated with the colors mm -hmm. of the animation in some way and when it needed to mm -hmm. be like sentimental like the last part it was so yeah I really loved it and it's really I feel that it's gonna be an Oscar contender again yeah. I think it's gonna come down between soul and this one I'm not even joking <laughs> Juan, what are your thoughts? Okay, so I gave this a full five out of five stars because this connected with me. I, this hit home. I didn't cry just in one part. I probably cried in most of it. Yeah. It's most likely going to be in my top 10 of 2020 for sure. It's right now under my top movie of that was released in 2020. It's second place. It replaced Onward for my favorite animated film of the year so far. The animation was provided by the production studio that also brought us Abominable, which is another film that I loved. Girl Studio, for me, is two for two. It, the animation is just stunning. Um, it's a powerful and heartwarming story about love and losses mentioned. It resonated in, with me in ways that I was not prepared for. It's so good. It's a tearjerker. It's a beautiful story about uh, family. You have lost loves it deals with encompasses so many things and it's so good that way the the soundtrack i think is fantastic um i liked ultra luminary i thought that was a very fun song i know it's not a lot mm -hmm. of it's not gonna love a lot of people but i think it's a very upbeat song where you're like okay i'm here mm -hmm. this is fun this is a fun time the last song the last song they sing. Uh, I liked Over the Moon, but I really loved that emotional song towards the end. It's a must-watch. This has to be on your radar. This has to be on a watch list. This has to be at award season this year, without a doubt. If this isn't there, then another robbery will have been committed because it's so hard not to see this film there, especially when it handles representation so well. You know, you see the traditional family that they depict there, and you see their customs. You see everything that is so important in their culture, and it's beautifully done. I think it's one of my favorite films of 2020. It's definitely up there. You should watch this the minute it comes out. The only thing that upsets me is that I can't own this physically for my collection. Yeah. Because I would watch this over and over and over again. I think parents are going to love this because of, because of the bright colors. This is definitely going to entertain the kids a lot. The music's very great, so it's distracting for them. I, I have nothing negative to say about this movie. I, I'm probably going to watch this the day it comes out again and cry again. 
because I haven't cried this much this year since The Farewell. Yeah, I loved this film. You know, every year I have the one animated film that I love because we've been over this. I'm not the biggest animation person. So this is my one of the year, which I loved. I was so surprised by it. Again, I didn't know what it was about when I saw it. So it was just a really pleasant surprise. And I cried so much. And I loved it. I was invested in the story. And I think it's so beautiful. A beautiful message. And, you know, the animation is absolutely beautiful. And, yeah, I agree with everything that you say. I hope it gets to the Academy Awards because it deserves it. We finished with uh, what we watched. Eight films. So, honestly... We're really sorry if this episode gets really long, listeners, but it had to be done. We're covering September and October since the last What We Watched episode. It was a necessary evil. Also going to switch to Spanish real quick because we deserve it. So, también, antes de irnos, me gustaría anunciar que ya Súbete a mi moto estrenó en WAPA. Lo darán los martes a las 7 p.m. So, if you can watch WAPA, I highly recommend it. Talento Boricua, apóyalo. Also, tune in for next week's episode where we'll give you the Scream Universe Breakdown. Hosted, well, moderated by Juan. Probably the episode so, that is going to be my happy point of this podcast. And I'll never be the same afterwards. And that is how we will be ending Spoopy Season. Yes. That's all for today's episode. We'd like to thank you for listening and to give a shout out to the kind people sending love our way. If you'd like to keep up with us, again, make sure to follow us at Film Posers on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and in our YouTube channel. Again, thank you for listening, and remember, we're all film posers. Bye. Bye.